This is the Financial Tech Podcast show number five for April 28th, 2011. I am your host, Jim Collison. I am again here with Andrew Hunt, and we're here for another podcast around financial matters and tech matters. Andrew, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. It's, it's gr- good to be here. Well, thank you. It's great to be back with you. It's always good to do these podcasts with you. You know, we do them about once every three weeks, and some folks have asked why. Why don't you do them every week? And and my excuse has just been the market and and news just doesn't change that fast from a from a financial standpoint. And we're just busy guys. That's right. <laughs> yeah, lots of things going on. I know you're incredibly busy these days. Lots of things going on around the credit union. Um, Andrew, give us just a kind of a quick update on um, what you're doing and and what what you're seeing as busy and some trends. Before you do that, think about that just for a second. Uh, if you want to contact the show or get information uh, about uh, or to us about the show, questions that you might have, podcast at theaverageguy.tv. And we've had some listener requests, and so this is going to be the listener Q&A show. We're going to go through a bunch of questions that l- the listeners have submitted in. So um, send us your questions. They do matter. We do read them on the show and uh, would like to have your input. So, so Andrew, take a few minutes. W- what's keeping you busy these days uh, in the credit union, and, and what are you seeing going on in the market? Yeah, things have been uh, things have been really busy, just like you mentioned, Jim. And a lot of it has to do with uh, people are getting uh, kind of re- renewed energy and renewed excitement, and uh, a little bit of new appetite for borrowing and things like that. Stuff we haven't seen for the last eighteen to twenty-four months. Um, it's been a while since people wanted to go out and purchase a new car. It's been a while since people uh, wanted to buy a house. We've had a ton of refinancing going on. Um, and even some first-time homebuyer purchases, things like that. And so, you know, that's a good sign. And I think this week, you know, is a big earnings week in the market. Uh, a lot of companies uh, released their, their, their earnings statements, and, um, and we saw a lot of companies post profit, which uh, we all know the stock price follows earnings. And so uh, I think that bodes well for the, for the next couple of months in the economy. You know, Ben Bernanke had a press conference yesterday and talked about uh, how they're going to keep interest rates uh, low for the time being, and that's, uh, that's good. Uh, keeps keeps the uh, appetite out there and keeps borrowing cheap as well. So that keeps us really busy, obviously. And uh, we've been doing a, just a ton of one-on-ones and a ton of uh, uh, you know financial consulting with people. And, and I've been uh, real busy on the speaking circuit. So I've been out and about, and it's been, it's been great. Good. Yeah. I, I'm, um, from a technology standpoint, are you seeing anything out there new uh, on the horizon, any kind of new financial technologies that, that are emerging? That stuff goes really slow, but, yeah. uh, or what could we be taking advantage of? Uh, what, what, what tools or technology tools could folks or should be taken advantage of on the upturn? We are certainly on an upturn, I would think, at some point, right? You know, it certainly seems like it. And we've plugged this product uh, once or twice uh, on the podcast here, but uh, I've been answering just a ton of questions about Mint.com. Um, you know, people, uh, it seems like, you know, when things are bad, people stick their head in the sand and they just uh, want to ignore everything and just scoot by. And so now folks are starting to say, okay, let me come back around to budgeting and come back around to actually trying to control my finances a little bit more. And so people are looking for these solutions out there. And Mint is free. Um, it's really a robust program. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's getting, it's gaining popularity. I mean, it's huge to begin with. And it's, I just keep hearing more and more questions about it. And that's, we had a listener question. Uh, that's one thing we'll address here later in the show. But, um, you know, if you haven't had a chance, uh, if you're a listener out there, if you haven't had a chance to just go check out mint.com, you don't necessarily have to sign up, but you can just see what they're all about. Look at some of their forums, uh, read their about us page, things like that. And, um, you know, it, it is a great tool and man, we've got a lot of people asking questions about it. 
Yeah, I've been using Mint now for, oh, let's say two or three months, just scratching the surface on what it could do. I was a Microsoft Money guy since 1993. Yeah. Uh, of course, they discontinued and sunsetted that product. It's actually still available if you were a Money user and you thought it was going away. Uh, they have what's called a sunset edition of Microsoft Money, and that's just basically we're never going to do anything to it ever again. Right. Uh, but that's okay. The, the end product was, you know, 15 years of development, and, and that product actually uh, worked really, really well for me. Um, we kind of got away from it. I want to I get a kind of a fresh, clean start with Mint. One of the things I've liked the best about Mint, of course, is the Android app that uh, is free. Yeah. Uh, free as well. Download on your phone, and you can get very, very fast access to your account balances. Um, and it works really well from that standpoint. So I can do loan balances. I can do checking and savings. Uh, there's just tons of stuff you can do through that app on the phone. And it just keeps getting better. So I encourage folks, if you don't have any kind of budget set up or budget software that you're using, um, give Mint a try. It's a little quirky, Andrew, I'll be honest with you, a little yeah. quirky around budgeting. doesn't work as cleanly as I'd like it to at times, and I think there's a challenge there. Yeah, and it's like I tell people, you know, everybody's looking for the quick fix solution when it comes to budgeting because let's be honest, uh, you know, budgeting isn't a whole lot of fun unless you're, you know, really into it like me. Um, and, and you know, these tools really just help you kind of get perspective on things. And Mint's not going to, uh, you know, it's not going to give you the magic key or the special sauce that's going to, you know, <laughs> suddenly help you save a few extra dollars every month. What it's going to do is it's really going to help set up, help you set up some automatic um, some automatic parameters so that you're getting the text updates, you're getting the emails to let you know when you're getting close to overspending on coffee or on gas or something. It's like every day for me. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, for coffee for <laughs> I, sure. It just kills me. <laughs> Starbucks, I, 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 oh, that's, you know, that's another story. Just, just real quick, little, little side tangent. You know, a couple of years ago, Starbucks began closing stores and everybody's, yeah. oh, this is the end of Starbucks, right? This is the beginning of the end of Starbucks. I can't tell you. The Starbucks that are left open in, in the two, we had three in our area and one closed. And they were going to close the second one until they saw, if they didn't see it pick up. And, and, and they sent letters to everybody in the area. It was weird. <laughs> but they said, if it doesn't pick up, we're going to close this store as well. And uh, and so everybody was, oh, worried. I, I'd be honest with you. In the drive up, never seen less than five cars in yeah. the, the times I stopped by. Go in the, in the stores. They are just busy as all get out. A sign of a healthy economy is a sign of a busy coffee shop. And there because you go. $4 lattes, people are buying them like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. And so, right or wrong, uh, but that that mint is a good way to track. You know, it, it doesn't take long if you do three or four or five a week. And, yep. and you think, oh, this will be my last one for the week. Right. right? And oh, this is my last one for the week. And this is my last one for the week. It gets a little expensive. Oh, at, yeah. At $4 a pop. It totally adds up. And um, Mint is great about sending you those updates. And I love that tool where it sends me a text that, hey, you're about to go over your coffee budget. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the, my biggest thing is sometimes it's really, it really is worth using pencil and paper or Excel where you actually physically touch every single one of your numbers uh, when you're t talking about budgeting because you really own it more at that point. Um, and I know that's hard, and I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear, but um, you know, at least for the first couple of times you're doing a budget, I am just a huge fan of pencil and paper and or just basic Excel. Good stuff. I was just looking on the list, and we just totally blew a question that's on there. <laughs> One of the questions was, you guys mentioned Mint. Um, I've never used that, but as a longtime Quicken user, and you can in in put Microsoft Money in there. From the DOS days, uh, is Mint something I should consider and why? I think we, we just talked about that. Yeah, it's good. Uh, one of the things I really like on it is the low balance reminders as yeah. well. So it'll, it'll send me a little note that says, hey, your this account is getting low. 
Um, just gives you a good idea. We have some accounts. We have some spending accounts that are we use like an envelope system. Right. So um, that works really well. It kind of alerts me to say to Sarah, "Hey, did, did you know you're?" And she usually knows. And so it's it's no no uh, new new thing to her. But that that part works really well. Yeah, I love those updates. Okay, well, we talked early about this being the listener show. I want to roll through some comments um, that some listeners have. By the way, we do appreciate uh, the emails that we get. We read every single one of them, try and mention them online. And uh, if your name, if it's okay to use your name, um, let us know in the email so we don't have to send it back to you and say, hey, is it okay if we use this? Um, so if you're going to email the show, you can email us podcast at theaverageguy.tv. We love questions, we love comments. Um, if you've got things you'd like us to cover or, or topics you'd like us to uh, talk about, send those in as well. We're very open and very flexible on these things. So, Andrew, let's roll through these things. I'll, I'll read the questions, and then uh, you can comment on the answers. First one says, one of the things I see all the time is when a new management uh, employee signs up for a stock program, real common in a lot of companies that uh, maybe the managers or a special invite program of some kind allows folks into a, an, either an internal or external stock purchase program. They almost always start at the maximum payroll deduction that is allowed. Uh, that's either a 10 or 15 or 20% in, in a lot of cases. Then in a few, mo- then a few months later, uh, sometimes even sooner, they drop out of the program and sell their balance in the account. In comparison, a few uh, that sign up for smaller amounts, say 5% in the beginning, tend to stay in the program longer and actually build up a decent balance. I've been running into many employees uh, who, when I show them how much they need to save to reach their goal, they say it's too much. Is that a separate question? It kind of goes along. All right. So let's answer the – I'm sorry. I, just, I thought those were together. Um, let's stop at that. So uh, we see folks who get gangbusters in the beginning fall fast. Those who start slow, maybe more success. Why is that? You know, this is a great question, Jim. And I've been talking a lot about this in the speaking engagements I've been doing. And what I decided to do is I decided to build um, just a really basic visual representation of um, what folks get caught into. Because I think this is a common problem. And what I say is that everybody needs to try and build a pyramid, a financial pyramid of stability, if you will. And so if you could imagine with me a pyramid with three sections, you've got a base, a middle, and and the pinnacle, the top section. And the base of the pyramid is comprised of three basic things. It's comprised of a budget, it's comprised of an emergency fund, and it's comprised of paying off consumer debt. The middle section is retirement uh, savings, paying off the home mortgage, and charitable giving. And the pinnacle, the top section of the pyramid, is financial independence. And so if you've got this pyramid here, what a lot of times folks, especially you know, people who are in the middle of their career, 30s, 40s, uh, maybe in middle management, a lot of fo- what they get trapped into is really wanting to focus on the middle section of the pyramid, that retirement savings, um, you know, maybe trying to pay off their mortgage, doing some charitable giving, because after all, they're probably you know, earning a decent salary. They're in their, you know, their, some of their best wage earning years of their career. But what they neglected to do was really build the base of the pyramid. And you know, most of us have gone out and built a sandcastle before. I, I was recently on vacation uh, where there was some a beach and uh, a good friend of mine and I were building sandcastles together. And I think you can recognize that if you're building a sandcastle and, and you start uh, too narrow at the base, then end, what ends up inevitably happening is the, the pyramid crumbles, right? And so what a lot of people get trapped into is they're focusing on this middle section, but they neglected to, to you know, tend to the base of the pyramid, which is that budget, emergency fund, and paying off consumer debt. And so uh, they're, they're chugging along, working on this middle section. Then after a while, something happens, uh, whether that's a loss of employment, injury, whatever, 
and their pyramid ends up crumbling, right? Because they didn't build a strong base. And so people will get trapped into this idea that they have to be maxing out their retirement savings if, when they've already ignored the really important stuff like having a budget or having uh, you know, just a basic emergency fund. And I think that this listener really hit it on the head when they're saying, gosh, we see this way too often when somebody's trying to max out retirement savings and then they end up getting burnt out because life happens. And so what I've really been encouraging people to do is, yes, if, you're, if, you're, if you have the opportunity to contribute to a retirement savings account, that's a great thing. But you have to make sure the base of the pyramid is put together first. So you've got to have an emergency fund. We suggest $1,000. You've got to have a budget, guys. I know it's painful, but you've got to have it. And then you, you have to have some sort of uh, a t- plan of attack for your consumer debt. And that, that's credit cards, student loans, things like that. You've got to be getting rid of that stuff really before you can be maxing out retirement accounts. One of the things I sense about this this next generation is is and I, I do I think they've learned from my generation who who maxed out everything on debt um, that they're not they're not taking on a lot of debt. My my son's twenty one. He just hates debt, mm. and um, that that's not uh, that doesn't mean they're all that you know that generation is all that way certainly. But I think the days of starting college and the credit cards that they give you and you, you know, people wildly spending on those. I think this generation has maybe wised up to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. At least I hope they have, um, and not as willing to take on maybe as much debt or free. You know, we we okay. There was a generation that collectively saw that as kind of free money, and right? So you know, if you're struggling with debt, certainly you're not alone out there. But I, but I do think um, folks are trying to prevent that more often these days than not, and not get into a ton of debt. Um, that they can't get out of, you know, in the future. I have three, uh, three boys. They're all in that college age yeah. now. One will graduate from high school. The the third will graduate from high school this, um, this coming spring, and just gosh, just in a couple of weeks, it's it's gone fast. Yeah, right? it has gone very fast. And and all of them are are very debt conscious. So uh-huh. that's a good thing. I think we we try to build that into the kids a little bit. Debt in itself is not bad. The management of that is very key. And and I think shedding it as quickly as possible is um, is really the mo. Businesses go in and out of debt all the time. They manage it very. The ones that are successful manage it very very wisely. And uh, and so um, for for most folks though, if as a consumer, if they can just completely stay out of it, uh, there's tons of benefits to that. And, yeah, and, and true. once you're out, then you can take those funds and turn them towards. Uh, turn them towards those those four hundred one k the matching and there and there certainly are times if I if I was an employer or if I was being employed and my employer was offering ten uh, percent match dollar for dollar and that's free money um, the general rule of thumb is get out of debt first but does that do you always take that into account or do you say you know what I should I should at least take advantage of some of the dollar for dollar match that I'm getting and and the debt uh, and and pay the debt down as well can I do both. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, you don't want to leave free money on the table, right? I mean, and that's one of our questions here. We're kind of moving on into one of the questions from this uh, this listener. But if there is an employer match out there, um, you should definitely be trying to take advantage of that. Now, that being said, we got to remember this pyramid that I was talking about. Um, you know, if you don't have an emergency fund, it's not going to take you very long to get a couple thousand dollars saved up. Um, you know, you could probably do that in five, six months. Um, and if and that, that is so important, guys. Once you have an emergency fund, you'll never go back. Um, but if you don't have an emergency fund and if you don't have a budget, you really have no business um, contributing to any t- type of retirement plan or anything until you have those things. Um, that's not going to take you months and months and months to do. It's going to take you a month to get a budget, right? It's going to take you a couple months to get an emergency fund. Um, so 
put the retirement savings on hold for a month or two, get those things in place, and then come back to it. Uh, you know, that's kind of a dangerous recommendation because some folks just never come back around to retirement right. savings. Right. But those things are so important that you really need to have them in place first. And if you don't know how to do those things, you know, by all means, reach out to me or to Ronnie or, or to, to you, Jim, and we'll get in contact with you and help you put those things in place. They're very simple but essential. Um, and then, of course, take advantage of that free money on the table. Yeah, and we've got some listeners outside of the Gallup family as well as, as you know, outside of the Omaha area. Um, and, and you might be close. Find, you know, find a financial institution that you can trust and, and uh, reach out to them. There's lots of folks who want to help and, and um, you know, take some rec- recommendations from some folks. DaveRamsey.com is a good place to start, a very reputable organization that, mm-hmm. that can provide um, resources and can provide some recommendations for someone in your area. Well, the next question is, I've run into many employees who, uh, when I show them how much they need to save to reach their goal, they say that's too much and therefore they will not save anything. It's an all-or-nothing approach. Of course, uh, that makes no sense at all, but the moral of the story is to start saving uh, with the maximum you can afford and then increase it over time. So, yeah, it's an all, a lot of people take an all-or-nothing approach to this, that's right? That's right. Yeah, which is a shame. You, I mean, you really don't need to take that approach. Um, you know, one of my favorite things, and this is a piece of technology that you can that you can use. This maybe it's not technology, but it's definitely um, some automatic savings techniques. Um, you know, just start out by saving one, two, three percent of your of your income um, into a retirement plan. Uh, start off small. That's not big dollars. You probably won't even feel it right away. Um, so you know. Put aside, say, hey, I want to do a payroll deduction of 4% to my retirement savings. And then every single year from then forward, increase it by 1%. It's a really basic thing you can do. And I tell you what, you probably won't even feel the increase happening uh, because it's gonna, it's not, I mean, it's not big money you just year don't over see year. It, right? Yeah, I mean, right. payroll deduction is one of the greatest technologies ever. That's right. It's and unbelievable. You just don't see it. It's very, very powerful. And yeah. before you know it, you're saving eight, nine, ten percent of your income. It doesn't take very long. And that's how you build, and you know, you're adjusting as you go little by little. And that's how you end up saving something. You don't have to go out and save, you know, I think a couple episodes ago, I talked about saving, having a retirement savings goal of 16.62%. That's a big number, guys. Big number. It's a goal though. Um, and if you ease into it by increasing your payroll deduction 1% per year, you can be paying off some of your other debt along the way um, and really just be getting used to that savings idea. You've got to remember when you're saving for retirement, there's two really important factors. Uh, the first being the first most important factor is time, giving yourself a lot of time. The earlier you start, the better off you're going to be. The second factor is return. Um, so you got to make sure that you're keeping up with inflation when, when you're saving saving your investment. But you more importantly, you got to make sure you give yourself plenty of plenty. I can't stress this enough. Plenty of time. So start today. It's not going to be that hard. Good stuff. A lot of work uh, to get it done, to get it set up. Uh, sometimes a, a little pain to get started, but uh, after you're moving, it. You know, I had a friend. Um, oh, this was years ago, and Andrew. But he, when we started a job together, I started, and then a couple of months later. Uh, we were looking for a bunch of people. He started right behind me, and it wasn't typically a saver kind of guy. And, and I said to him, you will invest in your 401k. Here, this is an opportunity for you. I had never done that before, and, and I'd, I'd like you to start with 2 or 3%. He fought me the whole way. I said, just try it. You, you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, about a year later, he came back to me. He goes, "Hey, you know this savings thing? That's pretty cool, <laughs> right? I put money in, and the company matches it with some, and then I make money." And I was like, it's "All right, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty addicting. Um, if you're not, if you're not a saver, uh, it can be. If uh, the other trick I found, if you treat saving like spending, if you're a spender." Uh-huh. 
mm-hmm. you spend into your savings account, mm-hmm. and and then you watch it. You 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 play some games with yourself to to shoot for. Oh, I can't wait till it gets to one thousand, and then I, I and then okay, the goal is five thousand, and then the next goal is ten thousand, and put some real rewards about around that. When it gets to five thousand, I'm gonna buy the iPod that I've been you know that I've right. been out of that. Once I get to five thousand, I'm gonna take. 200 bucks and go buy the iPod with it. Right. Build some incentives around it for yourself. Little games, but it, it does help um, get you there. It's, it's a good way to, to do it and feel good about it. And for us spenders in the world, it's a way to do it and, and make it feel like we're spending. Absolutely. Into our savings. All right, another question. What's the best, most effective way to pay off a credit card? Uh, that's a great question. And this is one of the, a question uh, submitted by an employee here at Gallup. And, you know, we get this question a lot because, you know, let's face it, it's, it's easy to rack up debt on a credit card. And I think that most people, most of our listeners probably have at least a little bit of credit card debt hanging out there. And we have a tendency um, to maybe make it a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. And uh, so more often than not, you've got maybe have a couple credit cards out there, you know, probably a $1,000 balance here, $2,000 balance there, $3,000 balance, whatever. And so really what we find is we just want to keep it simple when we're, we're going to attack credit card debt. I want to come back around to that pyramid that I mentioned earlier. You know, before you attack any debt, you're going to want to make sure that you have a budget uh, because you need to know how much extra money you can uh, apply to that debt at the end of the day. Um, and you need to have an emergency fund. Uh, and the reason you have to have an emergency fund before you start attacking debt is because something is going to happen. While you're going through your debt payoff plan, uh, you know, you know, kid's going to break his arm, your dog's going to get sick. Car's going to break down. Car's going to break down. And then the, if you don't have an emergency fund, the only solution that you're probably going to have is to incur new credit card debt. And that is just psychologically devastating. Um, if you're trying to pay down credit cards and end up having to add to it, uh, you're going to give up. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it works. And so you have to have that emergency fund as your backup plan. And so then from there, what I always suggest, and we use, we, we, we're big advocates of the debt snowball approach. Um, I always suggest start with the smallest balance first. Don't worry too much about interest rates because at the end of the day, uh, credit card interest rates are all pretty high. I don't really even care about 0% interest rates on credit cards. Um, you know, go with the smallest balance first. And there's a real legitimate psychological reason why we suggest small balances first. And that's because you have to have a quick win. You have to have success right out of the chute. So if you've got a $250 credit card balance out there, pay it off. And as soon as you pay it off, you're going to feel great. You're like, man, I've got one of these done. I only have two left or three left or whatever, but I, I've accomplished something. And then take that payment that you paid on the first one and apply it to the next one. Pay that one off. And then take those two payments that you're applying to the next one to the next one. And then before you know it, you're going to have all of your debt paid off pretty quick. Um, you know, I see most debt payment plans, uh, when you're trying to get rid of credit card debt, especially I say you can usually accomplish in 18 months or less. You know, one of the recommendations I give folks when they're trying to put a debt snowball together is model that out in Excel. So mm-hmm. take all those balances and and put in some minimum payments that you're going to make. Don't get all crazy about the interest, right? Yeah. It's just a model. Yep. And and put some big round numbers in. And you can actually get pretty darn close mm-hmm. within a month or two generally of when that thing is going to pay off as you do that, that snowball. That's right. That helps you keep the big picture in mind. Yep. So as you're doing this, you're like, oh, God, it's another month. Well, okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on a 15 year, uh, fixed mortgage mm-hmm. and every quarter I get a statement saying what I've paid. And, and we're now in year eight of that seven or eight, or we're getting close to that, getting close to eight. And so I, that I'm watching that, that premium, or I mean, I'm watching that principal creep up and every month pay mm-hmm. more and that balance go down. 
incredibly motivating. Oh yeah, for me to do it that way. Um, and, and so you know, like every time the statement comes on the ten thousands, I let my wife know, hey, we're at whatever, right? right. Fill in the blank. Um, do the same thing with your debt snowball. Celebrate those. Hey, I paid it off. I know Dave does. Dave Ramsey does. You know, he clips. He cuts that credit card up or yep. whatever. Uh, celebrate each one of those little victories on that debt snowball. But model it out. Give yourself a good idea when you're going to do it. If it changes, fine. Go in and change the model. It's not a big deal. Right. Right. But but have a plan. Go into it with a plan. Use use Excel to to model that out. And if you don't have Excel, say, so you say oh, I don't have. Uh, you know, I don't have a computer that has Excel. Use Google, use the free Google uh, numbers, right? I think is what that's called. It's it works just as well, and for this kind of thing, it's great. You keep it online, and and you can do it right there. So yeah, good, ha- good modeling tool. Yeah, and having worked with a lot of people that have paid off significant amounts of debt, we get to see a lot of creative ways that people track it. You know, we've seen everything from the thermometer approach, where somebody drew out a thermometer and colored in red as That's they were getting idea. closer to the top, yeah. or the uh, the chain link approach, where people I don't know if you guys did this growing up, but growing up uh, waiting for Christmas, we would create a little loop um, for every day on the oh, countdown yeah. to Christmas. Yeah. My daughter. Does. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And that's then great you rip a loop it. off as you get closer. Well, I've seen people do that with debt. Um, for every thousand dollars they pay off, they rip a loop off. So then yeah. by the end, you know, you're down to one or two loops. And I mean, just creating that anticipation to keep you going. Absolutely. Uh, along those lines, uh, question, uh, another question here: What's your debt? What's your thought on loan consolidation? So let me phrase it in this way: De- Why don't Why don't I just instead of snowball, right? Because sometimes it's hard to keep track of all that. Why don't I just go get a debt consolidation loan? Well, I'll tell you, Jim, debt consolidation loans are extremely, extremely dangerous. Um, If I had a nickel for every time I saw one of these things go wrong, I'd have a lot of nickels. And let me tell you why. Uh, The primary reason these things go bad is because what happens is you get one lump loan that pays off all of your credit card debt, in most cases, credit card debt. And so what happens is you've got this new, just shiny, brand new loan sitting out there that represents all your debt in the world, uh, maybe other than your mortgage. And all of a sudden, those other credit cards are now free and clear. And so what ends up happening in, in too many cases is you're making payments on this new shiny debt consolidation loan. You've got these zero balance credit cards out there. And then eventually, you end up doubling down on your debt. So it might not happen right away. We call it creeping debt, right? It might not happen right away, but you know those credit card balances are available and it's really easy to just go swipe that card. And before you know it, you have as much or more debt than you started with again. Yeah. And if you don't have an emergency fund, so if you consolidate and not create an emergency fund right away, then you're dipping back into those credit cards. It's just too tempting. That's right. It's really dangerous. And I only say that because I've done it. Yep. I mean, I, I'm guilty of it. I've done it several times. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you know, and that, and then you end up reconsolidating that consolidation loan. Yep. And, and, you know, there's, uh, there's an element of uh, tax savings, right? If you uh, do it as a second. And that's such, that's another dangerous incentive, right? That tax savings doesn't ever really equate to any real money yeah. based on what you're paying in interest, right? So you know, and, and the, paid off. the second mortgage debt consolidation loan, there's few things that get me more fired up than this. Let me put it to you this way. Why on earth would you take, you know, unsecured debt and then 
tack it on your home and put your home on the line. Yeah, but I get a tax incentive. Are you kidding me? If you default on this loan, you will lose your house. Yeah. And there right. is nothing worth that, in my opinion. Uh, there no, There's no tax incentive or anything worth putting my house on, on the line. And so, um, you, know, you know, people will say, but, oh, I can go buy a car and, and it, the interest rate's only 4% and it's tax deductible. Uh, is a car really worth it? And, oh, by the way, do you want to be paying on your car for the next 15 years? I don't think so. Uh, you know, and it's just way too dangerous, in my opinion. So stay away from those. Yeah, it is a way to take a car, though, a pretty expensive car, and be able to afford it, right? Except <laughs> that car, for most people, that car is going to be long long gone yeah. by the 10th year that, yeah and you're still making payments for for five more and then so then well you still need a car so you end up right? getting another so you one do it again and reconsolidate so yeah i can see how that can be really dangerous it is for, a for vicious a vicious cycle and you know what we see it happen way too many times Andrew, we got just a few minutes left one last question uh it says what's the best way to start investing can you explain what a 401k is in, in, in brevity with some brevity there and 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 how it works i mean is that the best way to do it yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, a lot of times people, I get a lot of, for, especially from my younger friends, you know, how, how should I get started in this whole investing idea? And, you know, the typical thing people want to do is they want to go out and open a brokerage account, um, you know, a taxable brokerage account. And that just doesn't make any sense, guys. If you're going to start investing for the long term, you should always do it in a tax advantaged account, like a 401k or an IRA. And if you've got an employer, well, gosh, and then they offer a 401k, like we mentioned earlier, a lot of times they'll offer a match. And so that's a really good place to be. Now, what is a 401k? Well, it's, it's literally, a, it's, a 401k is an IRS code section. And what it is, is it's a qualified retirement account. And so what that means is your contributions are tax-free. Um, you don't pay any taxes on your contributions. The earnings on your, on your investment are tax-deferred. You don't pay any taxes on the earnings until you hit retirement age and go and pull the money out. Um, when you pull the money out, you pay it at your ordinary tax rate. It's kind of a great deal. You get to defer taxes. You don't pay as much um, income tax during the year. And then, uh, you know, in retirement, you're just paying your ordinary tax rate. It's, it's a really great tool to set up. There's all kinds of automatic things you can do that we've already mentioned here on the show. Um, and, and I think it's just a really, you can do the payroll deduction and you don't even have to think about it. And that's why I like it so much. There's some other technical things that we could go into on why those monthly contributions are so valuable. Um, that's probably for another time when we've got a few more minutes to, to really dig into it and talk about it. But uh, just know that if you want to get started in the whole investing concept, go to your employer and, and, and learn about their options in terms of qualified retirement plans. So if I'm not currently investing anywhere, mm-hmm. I'm, I've got some savings accounts, but and, and I got a buddy who's doing some stocks. Yeah. Right. And and so, you know, maybe I want to go out to a brokerage account. I want to, I'm going to go buy Apple. Yeah. It's hot, right? Of course. Hot, 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 hot. hot. <laughs> um, uh, Maybe 401k is the right place to start first uh, with your employer. Yeah, that's a loaded question, Jim. But um, yeah, you know, I would always suggest, uh, you know, whenever you can defer taxes, it seems like a pretty good idea to me. Um, so I would suggest going to your employer, checking out the, their 401k options. If you're self-employed, there's other options that you can look at. Um, it gets pretty complicated once you start digging into it. But if the, at the end of the day, you want to find those deferred those deferred retirement plans. Very good, very good. Well, hopefully, we've given you some good. Uh, advice and some answers to your questions, uh, and, and we continue to want those questions. You can send them to us any day or night. Podcast at the average guy TV, and and uh, Andrew and I share that email, and it's always fun to hear back from you. 
Um, and we'd like to know if, if there's new things you'd like us to talk about. Uh, we'll do that as well. Andrew, you got a blog over at uh, gallopfcu.blogspot.com, and you've got some good information going on there. Your Twitter again is? I changed it. It's Andrew what? D. Hunt. Yep. Really? Yep. Really easy to get nice. me now. It was a little, there was numbers involved in the old one. So my handle is Andrew D. Hunt. Come follow me. I try, I don't tweet a ton, but I try and get nice. the good information out there when I at do. At Andrew D. Hunt. That's and of course, right. I'm at Jay Collison. If you want to follow me, lots of uh, information on uh, mostly my Twitter is information of stuff, about stuff that's going on on the blog. And so uh, I do a lot of posts around that. And some folks have been giving, have harassing me about all the running posts. So if you follow <laughs> me on Twitter, you're going to get updates on, on my latest run. I committed at the beginning of the year to track every single mile that I ran. I was telling Andrew before the show, 150 miles this month uh, for the month of April. That's incredible. Getting ready for a 26-mile marathon that comes up this Sunday, and then I'm going to take a break. Do it. So You be, need to take a break. It'll be nice. <laughs> I put a lot of miles in getting ready. Um, if you like this podcast and you want to hear other podcasts that we do, um, we have a fitness, speaking of fitness, we have a fitness tech podcast that we do. Um, some folks help me with that. And we also do a home tech uh, show all around uh, technology that's in your home and how it affects you. Those are both available out at theaverageguy.tv, um, and you can listen to those right on the site. This podcast and those other podcasts can be downloaded as well through iTunes. We have a link, uh, again, available out at the site, theaverageguy.tv. Also have an RSS feed if you want to put it into your phone. Actually, Andrew, the other day I took my Android phone and I actually surfed to theaverageguy.tv. And then there's a little RSS link, and when I clicked on that on my phone, it invoked whatever podcast catcher, podcatchers like they call them. Um, it says, what do you want to listen to this in? And I just selected the one I had, and it automatically set up the feed for me. So, Oh, that's awesome. Like savings, where automatic is best, listening to podcasts, automatic is best. That's just incredible. get it every single week. Um, if you've got a podcatcher, if you if you want to know how that works and that's just foreign to you, let me know. Podcast at theaverageguy.tv. I know you know how to do email. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably figured out email. <laughs> Send me an email. Love to help you out with that. Automatic is great. And uh, and you get this every, oh, three weeks or so um, when we do the financial um, tech podcast. Andrew's been great having you on the show again this week. And we'll be back in a couple more weeks with something new. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. 